National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. October is Respect Life Month for parishes and dioceses around the United States. It's also Down Syndrome Awareness Month. Today on Register Radio, the Register's Washington correspondent, Loretta Brown, shares a personal story with us about one child with Down Syndrome and how he captured her heart and has motivated some of her reporting. And then we turn to prayer with a well-known author and theologian, Edward Shree. We discuss his latest book, When You Pray, A Clear Path to Deeper Relationship with God. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency. I'm your host here on Register Radio. So in 1984 is when President Ronald Reagan designated October as National Down Syndrome Awareness Month as a way to celebrate individuals with Down Syndrome. And today in 2023, there are about one in every 772 babies in the United States who are born with Down syndrome. That makes Down syndrome one of the most common chromosomal chromosomal conditions uh, here in the U.S., and so that's probably about 5,000 babies um, born each year uh, with Down syndrome. There's a special story that Loretta Brown, who is our uh, registered correspondent in Washington, D.C., it's a special story she shared with all of our readers at ncregister.com. It's called Jimmy's Life is a Gift. And Loretta, I just want to bring you on and thank you for writing this this wonderful feature uh, about Jimmy. Uh, Tell us who Jimmy is. Yeah, so Jimmy is my little brother. Um, He was born when I was six years old, and he has Down syndrome and autism. And so it was definitely something just very special and personal for me. Um, I had been asked to to kind of um, think about, oh, writing something for Down Syndrome Awareness Month. It was incredible to really write something more personal about Jimmy, because Down Syndrome Awareness Month, the key here really is, is awareness, and it's awareness of these people, these unique, wonderful humans. And so I really think, you know, a big part of of people understanding people with Down syndrome and understanding the condition, having kind of a realistic sense of it and of in- including people with Down syndrome in society and embracing them is really getting to know them, you know, really getting to, <laughs> to see that person um, amid all the kind of unique and different things, you know, that, that stand out. And certainly in my story, um, with my, my little brother, Jimmy, there are some different things, you know, some twists and turns, things that stood out with with that dual diagnosis, because I think often when people hear Down syndrome and they, they think of that diagnosis, there's, you know, a lot of people who have Down syndrome are very high-functioning and impressive, and I've been so moved to see some of those stories and to, to meet some of these lovely, um, you know, people with Down syndrome who have businesses, who are, like, even models and actors, like, I've been privileged in my reporting to be able to, to meet some of them, and they're just wonderful. And But the dual diagnosis means there's also autism, which means um, for my brother, he, he's nonverbal, and his his just way of, of going about life is so, so radically different. And it's something, you know, for years I would just think, okay, you know, people don't, people don't really understand how to navigate Jimmy, so we, we gradually, like, our family kind of had to figure out these situations. But I was thinking about this 
particularly in writing this story, I thought it's, it's so important that people are aware. Um, yeah, in, in Down Syndrome Awareness Month, you know, that, that there are these people with Down Syndrome and autism that um, just, just go about things so differently, so, so radically differently. So I share some of those, those anecdotes of, you know, the sensitivity to noise, the sensitivity to um, crowds and um, the repetitive noises of autism. But also some of the, you know, beautiful and unique things. There's, there's often, I've seen, a, an attraction to music for people with autism, and Jimmy definitely has that. And so our family connects to him through music, um, among other things. And um, it's just, it's, it's getting to know, yeah, that, that unique person. No, absolutely. You really tell a beautiful story about that, about, about singing with him. He's nonverbal, so he doesn't, he's not able to communicate in the ways that many um, men and women with Down syndrome can. And, and so um, you really describe well, I think, how Jimmy um, participates in, in his faith, how he, uh, how he loves, right, and how he makes connections in very, very different ways. I think it's so important to see this and to see someone with that diagnosis too, this dual diagnosis you talk about. I wanted to bring in um, statistically how rare that is, right? Um, but it's but it's also something that um, uh, people have used to kind of scare women away from a Down syndrome diagnosis. Unfortunately, we live in a society that we do a lot of testing, right? You know, in our pregnancies, especially people who have later pregnancies and, and during that testing, sometimes um, chromosomal disorders are rooted out, right? And, and abortion is offered. This is one of the diagnoses where that is offered the most. What, what did you learn as you did your research for your blog? You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned, like, it, it's rare, and it is on um, this dual diagnosis. But it was actually a little more than I had thought. Is I think it was about sixteen percent, sixteen to twenty percent in the studies I looked at has have this dual diagnosis. Um, and then in in my blog, I highlighted and I was kind of revisiting this a little bit. The CBS had done a story about kind of the Down syndrome diagnosis and the testing for that in Iceland. And uh, the genetic counselor there was, as as you were saying, kind of using that diagnosis as you know, oh, they'll show you, you know, these high-achieving, high more high-functioning kids with Down syndrome, but there's also, you know, this, this scenario that's so terrible. It was interesting to me to see that, yeah, to see that being used to encourage abortion. It's, I mean, it's very sad. It's, it's very much this idea of kind of avoiding inconvenience and not, not working to understand the person, to treat the person, right? Like, I've always been very inspired by... Um, I forget now his status, if he's a blessed or a servant of God, but Jerome Lejeune, the geneticist who discovered the cause of Down syndrome, he would always lead with, like, looking at the person, right, and treating the person and Absolutely. understanding the person, not not looking just at the, the diagnosis and the, the practical math of, like, what that means. There was just something very cold and calculated about the way this genetic counselor I, I mentioned in my story was talking about it, But I, and I've seen that, I've, I've was seeing that in my research, even looking at some of the numbers and the discussions around that. It's sad to see that, yeah, that just the, the way people almost divorce the diagnosis from the person and just talk about the consequences of the diagnosis and the inconveniences attendant on that without even, you know, thinking about this human being that right. <laughs> yeah, they have to have this condition, but that's not all that's there. 
Right. And in the midst of, of the cross of such a diagnosis, the challenge of such a diagnosis, that there is beauty and there is certainly life. And that, uh, Loretta, is what comes across uh, in your blog, Jimmy's Life is a Gift at ncregister.com. I encourage everybody to take a, a good look at that story. And also the Jerome Lejeune Foundation has just announced that they're starting an online master's degree uh, in bioethics that helps to to train people in understanding better those who have uh, Down syndrome. So a wonderful foundation there started by Jerome Lejeune. Loretta, we are all out of time, but thank you so much for sharing Jimmy's story and continuing to spread the word about uh, Down syndrome. When we come back, we'll talk about how to pray and make it a part of our everyday with author and theologian Edward Sri. This is Register Radio on EWTN Radio. Stay tuned. If you need your news on the go, read the Register online. But if you want to take your time and savor the stories, then subscribe to the National Catholic Register's print edition. And with award-winning Catholic journalism that goes beyond what you'll find from any secular news service, you'll get the real story behind the events that unfold over the course of the year. Try the Register for free today and get it delivered to your home, office, or parish. Join the Catholics who depend on the Register for its faithful and courageous reporting. Get six issues free today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency. Prayer is such a crucial part of the Christian life, but how to pray? Can we make sure to make it every part of our day? How do we do this? Dr. Edward Shree has some answers for us in his new book, When You Pray, A Clear Path to Deeper Relationship with God. Dr. Shree is Senior Vice President of Apostolic Outreach at FOCUS, which is the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. He's written several best-selling books. His latest include When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul, and a book he wrote with his wife, Beth, called The Good, the Messy, and the Beautiful, the Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. He and Beth and their eight children live in Littleton, Colorado. Dr. Shree joins us now. Well, Dr. Shree, it's such a pleasure to have you uh, back on Register Radio. I know you've been here before talking about some of your other books. Um, One of them I remember very well, Who Am I to Judge? We were talking about relativism, and I think we've talked about Our Blessed Mother and a biblical walk with Mary uh, on this show as well. But today we return to a, a topic that is in so many spiritual writings, prayer of course it's it's like so foundational and i just loved one phrase that just stuck with me so much deep you 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 talk often of a deep breath of prayer and my goodness i forget to take deep breaths dr shree <laughs> <laughs> well many of us just forget to breathe you know so uh, pope francis actually it's an allusion to something he once said that the soul needs prayer like the, the body needs oxygen. 
Uh, and many times we, we forget that we need prayer. And, and by prayer, I mean more than just saying prayers. Uh, you know, as I've been speaking all over the country on my new book on this topic, we, I meet so many Catholics who'll say, oh, you know, I pray by listening to a podcast. And I love podcasts. You've got one. I've got one. And it's great for people to, you know, be blessed by it. But, but that's not quite the prayer that the Church and the saints are calling us to. It's more than devotions and the rosary and saying prayers like the Our Father and novenas and all. All those things are wonderful. But do we take that time every day for that quiet, intimate conversation with the Lord, for reflecting on His Word, listening, and not just telling Him our needs? Do we have that quiet time with God every day for prayer? 15, 20 minutes uh, a day would, would be amazing. And I meet so many Catholics that have told me, you know what, I, I'm involved in my parish, I believe everything the Church teaches, I take in good Catholic content, but I don't have time to pray. And so that, that's why I, uh, I wrote up this book because I wanted to help people not just to learn about prayer, but have something they can take to their prayer life, something that they can chew on with the Lord and talk about and, and reflect on uh, to journey with the saints in our interior lives. Yes, and uh, you mentioned Pope Francis, um, and and he has done a whole catechesis on prayer. You know, we we forget that every. Every Wednesday, right, um, the popes have had an audience, and usually during those audiences, um, those papal audiences, they give a catechesis that they've prepared, and it's strung over, you know, several months, sometimes on the same theme. And he had a catechesis on the theme of prayer back, I, I believe it was um, uh, 2000. Um, uh, 21. And he said something, and you just kind of touched on it too, and it, it's, he said, it is inhuman to be so absorbed by work that you can no longer find the time for prayer. And, uh, <laughs> wow, I mean, it's, it's inhuman is what he's saying, and I think you're really touching upon this um, in this book, and it's, it's kind of helping one, me, others, to to be more human, to recognize our humanity, which means we're recognizing our dependence. Well, that's just it. See, we, we pray first and foremost because we, we owe it to God. We owe Him our worship. We also pray because it's good for our soul, where we're taking in the breath of God, and the Holy Spirit transforms our hearts more. But there's another reason we need to pray every day, and that's what you're hitting on, is that we, we're dependent on Him for everything. So I have all this activity in my career, and I have to advance and all this. Well, did you know that actually that, that's dependent on God? <laughs> and, and, and to be a good husband, to be a good dad, I need to pray, not just for me, but my wife and kids are depending on me having a daily prayer life. Because here's the thing, you know, I, I, I want to give best my wife the best of myself, but I realize the best of myself isn't me, it's Christ radiating through me. Like, I know that my own love for Beth falls short in many ways. I can be selfish, I can be prideful. I could be impatient. I have my own idiosyncrasies and selfishness and works it hurts from my past, and, and it's not as good as it needs to be. I, I want to give best more than what I can give, because that's Jesus. But that can only happen if I have a daily prayer life. The same thing my kids need more than Edward III's love, because it falls short. It, they need Christ radiating through me. This is why Mother Teresa, when she was so stretched like never before and had to expand around the world, what did she do? She cut back on prayer so she could do more work for the church. No, she added a holy hour. <laughs> and that's right. the supernatural perspective we need when we're busy to, and stretched. We want to, if we want to give people the best of ourselves, we have to give them Jesus, and that comes from a prayer life. 
So we're talking about the book, When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul with Dr. Edward Shree here on Register Radio. And, you, you know, Dr. Shree, you mentioned Mother Teresa. So much of this book uh, relates to the saints. You, you refer to the saints. They sort of walk with us um, as we read. Uh, and it's not really written to be read. Uh, it's, it's written to be prayed. Uh, these are really meditations uh, in this book. It's, it's very well done. Um, but what I was thinking about is you mentioned Mother Teresa, and, and um, she has, and you write about this, uh, in every chapel um, for the missionaries of charity, every chapel, it's usually very stark. I mean, I've been to a few. And it's a huge crucifix usually. And then the words oftentimes just cut out in, in cardboard or <laughs> in, uh, in black construction paper, I thirst. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's startling in, in, in its um, simplicity and starkness. Um, but you write about this in the book. And it's not simply um, our own thirst, like, you, you know, we're thirsty for God. It's his thirst for us. Yeah, that's the point that the the Catechism actually makes about what prayer is, is that God is thirsting for us, that He's the primary mover in prayer. Sometimes we can put so much pressure on ourselves. i got to pay attention. i got to concentrate in prayer. Did I use the right book? Did I use the right method? You know, mm-hmm. and, and in the end, prayer is primarily about what God is doing. He is thirsting for us. He's longing for us. He wants, He longs for our time. He's thirsting for our attention. He's thirsting for us to trust Him. He's thirsting for us to give him this space in our lives in daily prayer. Will we respond? And that's what Mother Teresa saw. She, she just envisioned Jesus. Well, she actually had heard his voice saying, I thirst. And to realize Jesus is saying, Jeanette, I thirst for you. Uh, Edward, I thirst for you. Uh, and will I give him that time in prayer? Uh, I think that, that's one of the beautiful insights from the Catechism and Mother Teresa, is it's not about my performance primarily. It's about, do I just show up? Do, right. Am I faithful? Because you know, here's another thing. You know, many people, many Catholics, they feel bad about their prayer life. They go, oh, I'm just not good. I, my mind wanders. and My heart's not in it. I don't feel close to God. And prayer can be hard. But to remember, no, God is thirsting for me. And I, all I have to do is show up. Being faithful to prayer is so much more important than any feelings I have in prayer. And, and one of the saints I, I, I get into in the subsequent chapters, after the Teresa, is, is St. Catherine of Siena. And she explained that when we are struggling in prayer, sometimes it's not that we're doing anything wrong, it's the devil discouraging us, because he knows how powerful prayer is. And so he'll get us to think our prayer is not pleasing to God. And so if we ever have those thoughts, like, I stink at prayer, I don't feel close to God in prayer, I don't get anything out of this, I wonder if it's worth it, that's not from God, that's from the devil. (laughs) And he's trying to discourage us, and she just says that's why it's so important to just respond to God's thirst, respond to his hunger for your soul, and just show up every day and make that time of prayer. You know, it's it, you talk about feelings, so I want to get into that. And, but you also talk about you know just also trying hard and yet feeling like it may not be fruitful or you may not be doing it right. And it reminds me of something that a priest uh, told me at a, a time of um, maybe some frustration in my own life, um, prayer life, I guess. It was a joyful moment in life. I, I had had my first child, and um, we were there actually in the Denver area going to a, a great parish there. 
And I remember feeling so distracted in mass because my toddler baby, you know, was just, um, was a handful in mass. And I remember, imagine that, that, exactly, you know, sitting for an hour um, with lots of other kids in that parish too, I remember. And I remember just kind of lamenting like, gosh, it's so hard to pray, especially at mass. And the priest told me, well, gosh, think of God. He's looking down at you and he's not, he's not distracted. (laughs) He's full of joy that you're there with your baby and that you're, you're attempting to just be with him. And, and wow, what a perspective I needed because I thought I was doing the prayer, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But but no, and you do write about this. You write about its two desires. That part of um, one of your chapters is about these two desires: God's desire and our desire. Can you can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, that that that's uh, St. Catherine Siena says that prayer is the meeting of these two desires: our desire for God and God's desire for us. Like God is thirsting for us, He's seeking us, He wants a relationship with us, and He puts a desire in our hearts for Him. But the fact of the matter is. We may show up for prayer, like in your situation, and there's kids climbing on you, and you're just a little distracted, right? Or you may have, you may be single and not have little kids, and you're showing up at the chapel, and you just don't feel close to God. Or maybe you're older, and you're and you're just distracted, and you don't feel like your prayer is working well. I think another important point that I bring out in the book is that, and this is what Catherine Siena actually writes about this. She says, "What we want to do is give God our intention, no matter what happens in our prayer life." We may not be able to keep attention throughout our time of prayer because we're not angels. Our mind's going to wander. Our heart's not always going to be in it. Uh, we'll feel restless. We may feel dry and very arid in, in our prayer life. But we can always give God our intention. It reminds me of true story. I know you've met my wife Beth before. Yes. I remember like on Mother's Day one year, my little girls wanted to get her a gift, so she went. They went to the backyard in the fields behind her house, picked some flowers, and put them in a vase, filled them up with water, and were so excited to give them to her when she woke up and came down the stairs. The only problem was inside the vase wasn't flowers. It wasn't even, like, nice <laughs> weeds. You know, like dandelions at least look like flowers. These were those, like, thorny, spiky weeds in Colorado, you know, that looked like they came out of Mordor or something. Missiles, <laughs> and so, yes. And so, yeah, exactly. So Beth comes down, she sees them and the flowers, like, Mommy, these are for you, and she just smiles. Gives him a big hug. Thank you, girls. This is beautiful. <laughs> because my wife saw more than what was in the vase. She saw their hearts, that their hearts were wanting to give mommy a present. And I think God looks at us the same way in prayer, that he sees not just what's in the vase of our prayer. Oh, I was distracted. I fell asleep. My heart wasn't into it. I didn't feel close to you, Lord. He, he sees our hearts that we, we showed up. And so whatever our situation is, if we just respond to God's thirst for us and we say, Lord, I give you this time. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to work hard here. But if it doesn't go well, even if it ends up being a bunch of thistles, (laughs) I trust that this is valuable. And this is, I quote St. Faustina on this. St. Faustina says, one act of trust in such moments gives greater glory to God than whole hours passed in prayer filled with consolation. It really is. I mean, it, it, like, like when I feel close to God, oh, this is so fun. I like praying. That's easy. But when I have to just sit there in silence and sit there and I feel like I'm not doing anything, I feel like I'm bad at this, but I stay there. That act of trust, I'm going to give you this time, Lord, that gives more glory to God than hours and hours and hours filled with the most amazing feelings of closeness to God because we're trusting Him. 
Absolutely. So, so you write that Mother Teresa's advice in those moments was, uh, if you feel like you have nothing to give, then give God that nothing, right? Um, that was something that she would say. Um, Dr. Shree, you had so many nuggets, like little sayings that are just great to, to remember, um, to kind of remind ourselves about the importance of prayer. As I started the show, uh, we talked about the deep breath of fa- prayer. I love that, the deep breath of prayer. And then you talk about faithfulness over feelings. So we pray even when we don't feel like it. So faithfulness over feelings, that was a great line. Um, And then there was this part um, that uh, prayer can actually help me avoid doing harm to others. And I, that whole (laughs) section was fascinating to me because me not praying can actually harm someone. And that's, expand on that. Okay, yeah, this is based off of something St. John of the Cross once wrote about, he was referring to priests in Spain, but what he said about priests can relate to us as lay people. These priests were just very busy doing a lot of parish missions and preaching and retreats, a lot of good activity, but it wasn't rooted in a daily prayer life. They weren't praying. I mean, they, they said their morning and evening prayer the Divine Office, and they said their Mass, but they didn't have that quiet time for meditation, contemplation, conversation with the Lord. And so she, he writes about how all of their activities flowing more from them and not from God dwelling within them. And so he says, like, if they, if they actually just spent, you know, just half as much of time in, 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 in just prayer, and did one act, that one work that they did would bear more fruit than all of their thousands of works that aren't rooted in prayer. And then he says, and they might even avoid doing harm. So in other words, like he's saying that these priests that are doing all this great stuff in all these parishes, a lot of good Catholic activity but it's not rooted in a daily prayer life. They're actually doing harm. Why? Because they're doing what they think the parish needs. They're preaching on what they think the, the, the people need. They're, they're teaching about the things they want to teach about. It's not rooted in the Holy Spirit nudging them, prompting them, guiding them. And, and what John Cross says about the priests in their active work of preaching the gospel applies to us lay people in our marriages, in our families, am I? If I want to be the best husband I can be, I, I need a daily prayer life. I'll actually not be the best husband, and and, and that in that sense, I'll, I'll end up hurting best because I'll do what I think our marriage needs, or I'll end up hurting my kids because I'll do. I'll, I think we need to do this family vacation, and we need to put the kids in this program, and it's coming more from me and just my own thoughts and my ideas and my interests, and less from listening to Jesus who's dwelling within me. I love that image of Teresa of Avila, the interior castle, where, you know, she writes about how the great noble king Jesus is dwelling inside our souls, and our souls are like a beautiful castle, but too often we're living outside of ourselves and all of the activities and taking our kids to all these practices and games and they're schooling and we're just running around doing things at the parish. We've got a lot of activity, like those priests in Spain, but it's not rooted in a prayer life. I need to pull away from all the busyness take that time in quiet and solitude every day to be with the Lord, to listen to Him, to hear His Word in Scripture, the writings of the saints, inspire me to, to prompt me to guide my life so I'm not doing what I want, but I'm using my life for God's purposes. Um, that, that's, again, this is, the, this is why I wrote the book. It has 30 short reflections on themes of Catholic spiritual theology from a whole array of saints. Uh, and I always tell people, don't read the book. It's just something you want to take to prayer, whether you pray right. at home or pray in your office or chapel, pray through it. If you read more than two paragraphs without stopping to pray, I feel like I failed, because it's not my words. I'm really just introducing you. You know, Many of these quotes you're, you're referencing today are, are from the saints. That's what I want. You go spend time with the saints, 
in your prayer life so that you can be transformed and really guided by the Holy Spirit, not guided by your own will. Absolutely. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Shree, for being with us here to talk about your book, When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul. And you can find that book at Ascension Press, ascensionpress.com. Remember, for more news, analysis, and commentary, check out the National Catholic Register online at ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us on Register Radio here on EWTN. For my producer, Jeff Burston, and myself, Jeanette DeMello, I pray until next week. God bless you.